Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to another episode. Today's episode goal is to get through this without any dogs barking, which could be a challenge because there are always going to be dogs with me, whether it's one, two, or three. It's just bound to happen. So if we can get through this episode today with zero dog interruptions, we are winning. I wanted to first start by going back to the first episode of this podcast when I stated that all episodes would have a YouTube video to go along with it. I need to give myself some grace because our episode with Steve does not have a video. It just wasn't doable at the time. So I'm going to say if ever I do record a video for my YouTube channel, I will always address it here on the podcast so that you can go check out my YouTube channel and watch the video if you want to see a little bit behind the scenes. If you are watching this or listening to this on YouTube, hello, welcome. Thank you so much. My setup today is at my family's house in what would be considered my room. So it's super chill, super laid back, and I just enjoyed myself a coffee, and now we have some water, and yeah, we're just gonna hop right into it. If you wanna find me on YouTube, you can search Cassandra Ray. I do believe my picture on YouTube is just my face, so hopefully you can recognize me and find me there. And there is a whole playlist of all the podcast episodes that I have recorded. I have one of my dearest best friends on the channel today and she is the first friend that I will have of my girlfriends on on her Creative Freedom podcast. So I'm very excited about that. The reason why I wanted to bring her on to my podcast is because her outlook on life and everything she's experienced and been through is just phenomenal. And I really do feel like her story is something that we can all learn from. I've known her, I feel like I've been friends with her my entire life, but we've only really been friends for about, I think like four or five years if that could be wrong. She's just one of those friends that has made an impact in my life and I am so grateful for her. So my dear friend Kirsten Mary is the one joining us today. The one thing that I really admire about Kirsten is her view and outlook on life, especially when sometimes life knocks you down and things happen unexpectedly. She just handles it very well, whether you see she doesn't or she does. Of course, we all have the things that we do and do not share to others. For the years that I've known her, whenever she was faced with something, the way that she handled it, I found incredibly inspiring. I don't want to give away too much because she is going to go into her story, but she was diagnosed with lupus at an early age in her teenage years. She was an incredibly successful diver and she went into the states with a scholarship for diving. She had a dream job that she went for and got kind of to realize that it wasn't everything that she expected it to be. She wanted a change for her life so she moved to Las Vegas because Las Vegas is one of our favorite places and we do share that in common. Life isn't always as glamorous as one might think and then we talk about how we both, in a sense, ended full circle back to kind of where we began, but really talking about the experiences that we went through to bring us to where we are today, and it gets into rather deep topics that I know everybody can relate to. So with that being said, we are going to call her in right now, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you for taking an hour out of your day to chat with me. Tell me. I'd love to. I'm excited. And I think too, as, as our friendship will probably grow even more so, cause we'll learn more I'm about myself. So much. Is, I know I am. I know. 
I have never recorded a podcast episode on Zoom before, so hopefully the audio and the visual is good. I think you said it was early teens, Kirsten, when you first found out that you had lupus and kind of like take us back to like when you were told what that was like, what did it feel like when you were being told that and how much it changed your life and how you like have grown up with it. Totally. So I was in, yeah, it was high school. So around 15, um, it was really interesting because I was getting really weird symptoms. I was really tired all the time. I was getting unexplained bruising. Uh, my hair was falling out. I was getting sores in my mouth. And at that time, it was very aligned, the symptoms with leukemia. And so they were genuinely worried about that at the beginning. Lupus isn't something that's diagnosed easily. It is such a difficult thing to diagnose and it is such a process. So for myself, it was the longest time they thought I had chronic fatigue syndrome, but then my other symptoms weren't really aligning with like the muscle aches and joint pain and everything else. I'm very fortunate because I have lupus where it affects my muscles and joints and not my organs and tissues. There are different types out there and no two people will have the same. And everyone's so different when it comes to this test after test, no answers. And you're feeling like you're making it up at this point. You're like, it's not in my head. I promise you, but you're feeling all these things and there's nothing, no answers. Mm -hmm. So finally getting a diagnosis, it was relief for me. I was very fortunate too, because I grew up with a brother who had a lot of unfortunate medical issues. He had kidney disease growing up. So my mom was already trained in the world of having to deal with doctors and diagnosis and what to do. So I'm very fortunate for that. Sorry, Mitchell, but fortunate that my mom knew what she was doing. Yeah. So we love her. Thank you, Laura. You are the best. And (laughs) she is the best. I was learning and understanding and what it actually is. So when you, when they told you you had lupus, what of your lifestyle did you have to change? Yeah, I can probably speak more to what I've done as an adult later in my life, I guess, and just managing it. But at that time, I don't think really much. I was a very active person. I was a competitive diver. My mom was amazing. Again, I go back to my mom. She already had us, you know, eating on Canada's food guide, if you remember that. So we already ate really well, allowing myself to sleep when I needed to, taking days off of diving when I had to. I missed a lot of school. I missed a ton of school finding out when I get injured, my injuries don't heal as normal as everyone else's. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. have to take longer, a little bit for recovery and you bruise easier. Yeah. True. Yeah. I remember that. So yeah, I have bruises all of my legs today. And I'm like, where are those even from? Just have to, it's just, again, at that time I was also young and invincible, right? When you're, you yeah. know, freshly 18 too, mm-hmm. going out, not taking care of myself ending up in the hospital every other week and getting yeah. told you shouldn't be doing this. Drinking again, isn't yeah, a lot when you're of drinking. young, you don't really consider like what drinking and other things are actually doing to your body until like you get older and you actually care about your hormones as females. And you're like, Oh, if I could have done this different, maybe I would have, or just educate the younger to be like, you know, drinking every weekend is actually doing something to you, to your body. Totally. Yeah. I'm interested to know like when you started diving and like how it took you so far. Definitely. So I was a gymnast. Yeah. It was hard. Like dad was away. So it was, you know, it was just mom and us kids and dad had to keep working. And yeah, with gymnastics, it was just such a high level. 
And I just realized, I guess, even at a young age, like family is important. I didn't want to put extra. It's expensive. Gym was expensive. But my mom was very, you know, you can't quit in season. That's kind of my mom's rule always. You finish out a season. You finish out what you're doing. Yeah. But this case, I just, I had to. One of the girls that I did gym with, her sister found diving. Just like cheerleading, gymnasts make amazing divers. And so at that point, I was like, oh, okay, like I'll give this a go. I loved it. And my first coach, his name was Jim. He told me I could get a scholarship to go to the U.S. to go to school. And he said, yeah, he said, diving is a sport that not a lot of people know of. And especially as a woman, way better chances at getting into school. Because again, in the U.S., it's called Title IX. So it's gender equity. And so for every, essentially for every male scholarship they give, there has to be a female equivalent for sport. Football team has a ton of scholarships. So that opens up so many other sports, being a woman in a, you know, an Olympic sport, pretty lucky that way. That's cool. Started off my first year, I went to nationals. Cool. I made nationals my first year and I continued to grow in the sport. So loved it for a bit. Then I started hitting my rebellious years, wanted to go out and party at 18 and I didn't really care. Which is honestly crazy because when I started kind of like the introduction of who you were in my life, like me knowing you and not this part of you, like you are the most driven and like goal getter and you will get into Vegas but like you just proved that to me so it's crazy to hear that now well thank you and this and I think that's why this side of the story almost needs to be told of failure too people again probably look at my life like oh she's getting her master's I failed high school I literally failed high school I walked across the stage with my class in 2008 I quote unquote graduated I didn't get my diploma till 2010 And a lot of people don't know that. And I'm happy to share it. And I think people should know it because I'm getting my master's right now. And be like, oh, you're just smart. I'm like, no, I failed high school. Honestly, I didn't have goals. I had no goal. There was nothing that interests me. I had no goals to anything. I honestly thought I was going to get meet someone, get married and have kids. And that was kind of my life goal. And so you knowing me now, that's probably shocking to hear because I'm not married and I don't have kids. I'm just so driven now. I was dating a terrible person at the time, 18 year old, thinks they know everything drinking all the time. And my parents were just so fed up that I'd given up everything to just be 18 and be stupid. And that's honestly it is that they were frustrated, annoyed, went to center high and I dropped out of center high, which if anyone knows what center high is, it's a program you can go to downtown Edmonton post two years until you're 19. And then I decided to move out because I thought that was a genius idea. Just came back from Mexico and I think I was 19 at this point quit diving, didn't really see anything going. I had no idea what to do with my life. Broke my elbow day two of being in Mexico. Oh my gosh. I got back and I was talking to a friend of mine. Ashley, wherever you are in this world, you're listening to this. (laughs) Like you're saving grace that way. We were hanging out at her house. She just inspired me to do better. I got recruited for University of New Orleans. So I was with my friend Ashley and we're talking and she goes, you should email that coach. She said, you have so much going for you and you have so much you could give and do. And then things happen fast. I ended up going back to diving. At the end of the day, Utah, I ended up being home. I I got to go on a recruiting trip down to Utah, made my verbal commitment at dinner that I'd be going to the university. It was awesome. I will say Coach Richard, still in my life to this day, huge part of my life will forever be. And you'll kind of always have that coach. That's that person for you. And 100%. He was the one who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And he saw so much potential that the coaches here in Canada, I don't think ever really saw. Some of your 
bigger, biggest successes in diving at Utah? Making NCAAs, breaking the school record, starting more so from college. I think I was a little bit of anxiety here and there, but diagnosed with a binge eating disorder. So, which is a thing, but people don't know that. It is a a huge thing. And I was gaining weight like crazy. It was wild because that was the first time I really understood mental health. And I, again, I, you and I've talked about this before. I don't remember the day that I got better. I just remember him telling me the story about cake. And he said, I want you to go to a store and buy the biggest cake you want any kind. I want you to do that today. You can eat as much as you want. You can eat the whole thing. You can eat a piece. You can eat whatever you want. He explained, but I want you to enjoy every single bite. I want you to think about the taste of it. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to appreciate it. And that's when I was introduced to mindfulness. I mindless ate so much. I was doing it to block out everything else. The stress of school, diving, missing home, boys, everything. I think that was a big thing for me is that I was masking everything I was feeling into food. Eating disorders are strictly mental. It's not any other way, right? And so for me, learning and going through it, and it's, I will always say this, it is a lifelong battle. You lose control and it happens like as quick of a snap of a finger. Like it, you you blink and you've just eaten everything and you're like, oh, this just happened. And I totally understand the masking of your problems because I'm 29 and I'm just learning in the past two years that that is what's happening. Before I thought I was just losing control, but really you're just masking all your problems that you didn't know were there. And when you, when you learn that it helped me understand more about what the addiction is and helps you get better. When I found that understanding of why I ate so much food, it was because I had other issues to deal with that I never knew were there that I didn't deal with. It just makes things easier to deal with at the end of the day. Again, where we don't necessarily always talk about this when we think of eating disorders, other things, we don't ever go back to that root problem. We just say food's bad and that's, we can't do that. I struggle to this day with restrictive diets. Someone tells me you can't eat this. You can't do that. I struggle so much because I, that brings me back to where I was. I remember we talk about how weight affects, you know, a little bit of change affects everything. I remember I had just gone through a breakup with one of the guys I dated in college and I lost a ton of weight because I wasn't eating. I hit a low and I was miserable and I didn't eat. We had a huge competition in California. And I look back at those pictures and I'm, I'm like, whoa. When I started heavily into like all-star competitive cheerleading, I was ripped. Like I look at pictures of myself back then and I was sick. Like I looked so sick. And I also could not do as much when it came to like the gymnastic side of cheerleading, like flipping or even body awareness, I couldn't do as much as I could have when I gained 10 pounds, no longer was 95 pounds, actually got a period now. And that was a 10 pound difference. And even looking at pictures, like being 95 pounds and people, you know, saying like, oh, wow, you're ripped or I wish I looked like you, but really I couldn't do anything. And I was always in the hospital because I had digestion issues and hormonal problems. And yeah, I look at myself back then and I was like, damn, I didn't even see that when I was that small. I just loved how ripped I looked. So no, you don't want what I have because it's not worth it. The lifelong journey of like accepting your body in all stages. And 
I mean, we know that's something I'm still learning how to do and I have my days better than others, but it is a lifelong journey because your body's never going to be the same every single day. It's a battle. Don't get me wrong. I had a meltdown when I looked down and saw cellulite, which is extremely normal, especially at 30. And I had, I immediately started working out again. I haven't exercised in a while. And I, I, I felt like almost like what I've never had this. I don't want this. What's going on. Trying on every pair of jeans. I go back to work next Friday. I don't have a pair of work pants that fit me. And we've only been shut down for what, two months. So that goes to show you even in two months, what that means. But again, it's not hating myself for that. It's, you know what, you're going through a lot. I'm not going to be a forever athlete. I mean, I want to be deep down, but yeah, it's okay. It's okay. And I think this transition was harder from the diving one in that way with the weight, mm-hmm. but that was a big hurdle for me was overcoming that uh, issue with just eating. And once I accepted myself, so I left August, 2011. So you came uh, back to Canada and then where did the dream job for the Oilers come in? My goal was to work in the NHL because I had a, I was getting my bachelor's in communication. If you want something, you have to get it. And sometimes yeah. it's driving 10 hours. Yeah. Sometimes it's moving to a new country. Sometimes it's putting in the work. Sometimes it's I totally get that. I completely understand that. <laughs> yeah. But so many people don't. And that's the thing is, is so many people, I feel just it happened. Oh, you're just lucky. I applied for over 200 jobs in Canada, in Edmonton, 200. I'm not even a word of a lie. I didn't get one call for an interview. I have this bachelor's degree at a four-year institution from the U.S. with like all this stuff, all these like I interned. I have all this. I worked at a hotel while I was in college. That's something I did too. I worked at our university hotel. I have all this stuff. Why isn't no one calling me? I applied for literally everything. I was in a fast food applying everything at this point. I was like, I just need a job, nothing. So then I actually ended up getting a job back with where I used to work at was uh, World Health in their head office. I was in charge. I was the digital content creator. God, I did not know this. I was miserable. Yeah. It was not a good experience. And then I saw the Edmonton Oilers were hiring. I applied Thursday, got a call Friday, interview Monday, hired Tuesday. It was meant to be. Meant to be. Insanely fast. I had to make the adult decision that my career was more important than a potential. I could potentially go somewhere with diving. I was on no one's radar for ever being like an Olympic athlete. Kind of had to say goodbye to diving. How long were you with the Oilers for? Uh, I got hired in March of March 2015. And you were with the customer service, I know, but you did the ticket holders, right? Yep. So yeah, I worked there. That was the glory year, let's call it. Because I get hired, McDavid gets drafted, we're moving to a new building. Like, You're doing well. Life is so good. Great experiences, but then things started to change. Yep. We didn't quite like it anymore. And now we introduce Vegas. <laughs> yeah, it, loved Oilers. Absolutely loved it. It was my dream job. Uh, who, who at 24 years old can say they have their dream job? I did. I ended up getting promoted. You know, I managed the club season seat holders. So, are ones that spend a lot of money and they're building fantastic relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Building awesome relationships in this time. I also then joined cheer. I was very sad about not having something competitive in my life. I missed sport. So then I kind of got in contact. They helped me get in contact with Diane going from like gymnastics where you tumble with bare feet and then you go into cheer and you're wearing shoes. Like that was a huge transition for me having these like boulders on your feet because you weren't used to that extra weight that was a big one uh yeah landing on my feet after being on my head so much for diving landing on my feet was a weird transition so then I'm in this amazing cheer world with these awesome people and my doctor will say that that was the health I had been in terms of my lupus was when I was cheering because I was active 
I was doing everything I should, but then I started learning more about myself with the Oilers. I just started noticing I was kind of getting a little unhappy. Don't get me wrong for years. I can't say anything bad about, you know, the people I worked with. My coworkers were wonderful. I'm still very close with Cindy and my friend Emily, and I got great friends from that. I wanted different things. It sounds like a bad relationship. I wanted different things than what they had offered. I struggled to go to work, was frustrated. And it it's more because I could inflict change, if that makes sense. I want to help. My clients pay how much a year and they don't get much for what they're paying. They're frustrated. I have to say no. I can't do things. It felt like I was always saying no. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy that. But then I served on the side because, you know, when you have your dream job in sports, you don't get a lot of money. So now how do I got to pay for cheerleading? I have to go waitress. Loved it there. I could fix things. So for me, I felt like I needed to be in a job that if something happened, I was able to make it better. We were in our renewals for renewing clients. And it's a lot of calling people to be like, hey, like, can we renew your season seats for you? I remember and- that because you were doing that, but the team wasn't doing well. And you were just yeah. getting like bitched at because essentially get the team to do better. And you're like, okay, because I have all the control to do that. And that's what it was. I just felt like Edmonton's fan base is very loyal and they're amazing fans, but they can be mean too. And I don't think people realize that the person you're screaming at is a person, but it was killing my mental health. I did not realize how not okay I was. It was after Worlds and I went to Vegas with one of my girlfriends, Dana, the one I met in Idaho. And we went to Vegas and it was the most eye-opening trip ever. Vegas, we love Vegas. Vegas is great. It was so I I like I need to live here. This is my happy place. This is what this is where good things happen. And I was so happy and just felt refreshed. And I just remember crying like every day. And I'm like, I'm I'm not happy. And I think it's a mix of everything. Like just finished cheerleading. I decided to retire that year. You know, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And then fell in love with Vegas. I'm like, I want to move to Vegas. Well, you just can't move to Vegas. Like you can't just move somewhere. You need to get a visa and you need to think. Yeah. So the only way I could do that is if I go to school. So I'm like, okay, let's go to school. So I'm like, okay, what do I like? Well, I like hospitality. I love hospitality. I'm going to go to my master's in hospitality. Anyone who knows me, when I say something like that, I'm going to do it. The process that you took to get to Vegas, like I remember sitting in your car and we had these papers, everything had a deadline and a timeline, but we needed signatures and we didn't have the signatures and we didn't know if we were going anymore. And I say we, because I felt like I was like, with you on the outside but no one will actually ever know how intense that process is unless they know you and watched you go through it because I think if people actually knew how hard it is people would not well people don't really do it all the time but people would not do it at all because it's a lot but that just goes to show that you are such a go-getter like that was like my image for you that when Kirsten said she's going to do something like she will do it and also when you pushed yourself so hard when you were doing a full out in cheer and you passed out because you pushed yourself too hard but anyways lesson learned but I do I push you push I'm a I push myself and that's the thing but that that's like a perfect example talking about mental health pushing yourself too far you burn out yeah but it's recognizing and I think it's so important this story my story learning to recognize what burnout is and learning what self-care is and learning when to say no and when to leave. And I learned that with the Oilers. I learned I had to leave. That was it. I was going to work every day miserable. Like, yeah, no jobs can be perfect. hundred percent. No jobs can be perfect. I will always say that. 
at the same time, if it's more stress than it is positive, you, that's when you know. And, and it changes a person when I totally know that. Like when you go to work or you leave work and it's like an internal anger, it's like it eats you up. And then you you express that anger onto your loved ones that did nothing wrong to you. You're just so angry to be there. And I completely understand that feeling. 100%. That's yeah. the thing with all this is that I think I am someone that I recognize when things aren't okay. And I do something about it. I know it's so much easier said than done. And there's so much people battle. But I recognize that I was miserable in Edmonton. Yeah. I needed a fresh start. Yeah. I need to do something new. And it was hard. You're 100% right. What's harder? Sitting in your yeah. same life and being miserable so that you think that's going to be better than going through the process? Absolutely not. I will go through that horrible process 300 times again to get to where I was because you have to recognize that when you're not doing okay, you know, in any aspect of, well, what are you doing about it? Well, I'm depressed. Well, so am I. I battle depression. You're still pushing through. It's not an excuse. You have to, you know, that's the thing. And I know everyone's different. And I'm not saying this is a blanket statement for anyone because I believe mental health is such a, it is a big thing and everyone's is different. Yeah. But the thing is, is that if you aren't happy, make the change. And I promise you, it's going to be scary and it's going to be hard and it's going to be 400 pages of paperwork and signatures and money and time and frustration. Sitting here today at Brady and I's house in such a positive light, like I just, I could never imagine being here if I never made those changes. I think it goes, I mean, when you're talking, all I keep thinking about is my past relationship because it goes the same way with work to moving to a different province location to a relationship. Like I know people right now that are in relationships, they're like about to get married and I was there knowing that if I leave this relationship and I'm about to get married in three months, my entire life is going to flip upside down. What are people going to think? I already have a dress. This is not tradition. Like I knew that it was going to flip my world upside down and everybody else around me. But I also knew that if I didn't get out, it was, it was going to be 10 times worse being in it. And like you said, you're sitting there now and, and I we're both sitting here now and we are both so incredibly happy and our life is so, so different than we ever would have imagined, but I wouldn't change anything. We have to go through the journey. I think that's it. It's Brady and I talk about this a lot. It's everything happens for a reason and time means everything. I had to go through every step. I had to go to Vegas. And the reason I had to go to Vegas was to see so much more. I got to Vegas. Let me tell you, my Vegas experience, well, the pre, we already know how hard it was to get to Vegas. I had to find a way to show I had $54,000 US in a bank account. Tell me how that worked. Like, yeah. And then you moved to Vegas. And I think people, you live in Vegas. Like, that's so cool. And it was, and I'm sure you still love Vegas, but I don't think it was as cool (laughs) as people think it would be. It was awful. You know, you have this expectation. You want to talk about like failure. Well, I moved to Las Vegas to get my master of science and hotel administration. That is not what I'm graduating with this December. I completely changed my career path and it was for for the best. But let me tell you, I get to Vegas, super excited to be there. I had palm trees. I have an in and out. I have everything. Like my life is perfect, right? LOL. Uh, Two weeks in, I crashed my car. I mean, crash. Like the police officer thought I was dead when he came to the vehicle. If you don't know Vegas driving, and I only do because I've been there with you and multiple times, but they're like insane. They're awful. It's California drivers in Vegas. Yeah. It's scary. Don't drive. Uh, but it's a very scary experience. I didn't understand the law system in the Vegas and how things work. I had a concussion. So going to my first week of school with a messed up nose, it was like, I'm missing home. My relationship wasn't really good. So I'm like, I need to do something for me. I started looking into cheer again. 
and they have California All-Stars, Las Vegas. And California All-Stars, for those who don't know cheer, is a really big cheer gym. When I came back home to Edmonton, took a private lesson while I was here for tumbling again. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. Like my body's rusty, not going well, but I did it. So then I got back to Vegas and I decided to do a private lesson with a coach in Vegas and super excited. Yeah, no, was doing my favorite tumbling pass. When I hit the floor, I couldn't feel my foot. And I'm like, I think I broke the floor. And it was weird because I was in no pain, but my ankle swelled up oh, and I was like, God. I literally can't move my foot. And now Canada, you do something like that. What do you do? You go to the hospital. It's yeah. free. In America, <laughs> you call your mom crying and going, mom, I don't know what my insurance will cover. So I drove to the CVS. I bought $60 crutches because I literally couldn't walk. And then I drove home with my left foot because I was my right foot. Something's really wrong, but I don't know what. And like, I'm fine, but I'm not. I think I broke my foot. So then the next day I got in with the student health center. You tore your Achilles. I'm like, no, I didn't. The insurance company suck. And Nothing like that is free in America. Like so expensive. Injury happened beginning of March, March 4th. There I am scootering around the world, living my best life. Nope. My surgeries are starting to get canceled. It was a process and it was weird. I get out of surgery, insert global pandemic. Vegas is shut down. It wasn't really what you expected. Now you're injured. Healing during a world pandemic. Yep. Healing affected your mental health and everything. Relationship stuff happened. I just need to go home back to Canada. I struggled so much there. Like I was homesick. I wasn't close with my friends. I worked with a psychologist a lot. I recognized again, my mental health wasn't okay. Hated being in Vegas. Learned what self-care was. Yeah. I loved my job and that's what helped me transition into my new degree. So I'll be getting my master of education in higher ed in December. I'm thankful for the journey. Like I had to go to Vegas and go through all of this stuff to realize so many things. The joke is I went through everything to end up back in Edmonton. But sometimes you have to do that. Like sometimes you have to go live that dream and live that life. And figure it out for yourself to realize that it's either for you or it's not for you. Or maybe it is for you, but you're not meant to be there. You're meant to be here with your family and friends and your love of your life. I connected with Brady and the rest is history that way. I timing is everything. And And now you're so happy and you're in a career path that you are excited about. The universe knows what is meant for you and you just got to trust it and go with it and you're going to make decisions along the way that were not the right ones, but were the right ones at the same time. You know, saying that now, just saying how happy I am. Yeah, hundred percent. But you still have to recognize, and we all have to recognize that again, my life isn't perfect. And I still, my highlight reels on social media, I've worked really hard on it, but I recognize those signs. Yeah. I was really low last week. There's so much going on that I think I hit that peak just in tears. I'm not doing okay. I'm learning the term of like giving yourself some grace. Like you have to give yourself some grace when you recognize that you're not okay. Because also last week was a horrible week for me. Last week, someone said to me, if I didn't know this about you, I would have thought that your life is going really good. I don't think either of us are fake people or hide things. I mean, everyone has the things that like you just don't share because you keep some things personal. The more that we talk about the things that we don't talk about, more people can relate to it, but it all comes in stages. I might not always be ready to talk about the fact that I struggled with bulimia, but when I do, because I'm talking to someone specific, I will. And it's I'm not going to hide from that because we would not wish what we've been through upon anyone, even though we would never change it because it has made us to who we are. I agree. I'm 100% on your side. I think, again, normalizing conversations like this. I think, you know, you creating this podcast and creating a space where people can share their stories and you can share it with others, I think is huge. And I think it is the talking. Yeah. And make time for self-care. I think that's so important. 
Brady and I are going to go to Modern Gravity, which is the float place. Oh, that's my favorite place ever. I love those stores. I can't. I don't know how to turn my brain off. Just genuinely enjoy having an hour. When I went my first time, I was like, how am I going to lay here in this dark room, which I'm afraid of the dark, so I kept the door open, for an hour just laying in water? Like, how sanity, how was that going to work? But the hour goes by so fast. Eventually, I closed the door. I kept the lights on because that's just too scary. But it's it goes by so quick, and it's honestly nice. And that Modern Gravity in Edmonton, if you've never been, you have to check it out because they're amazing. Where do you see your life in three years? In three years, I'm married. Yeah. Uh, that's the hope. And then potentially with our first kid on the way around that time, you know, however the world gives it to us. Um, and then in my PhD program, I want to go get my PhD in education policy at University of Alberta. And I want to go on to be a professor and how my dream is to inflict change. So I want to help shape adults and their dreams. I actually have goals and dreams again in, in such a healthy way too. Seeing your friends be happy, I think is everything, especially knowing what you've gone through. Nothing's better than seeing the people you love succeed and yeah. seeing the people you love happy. Seeing you with Steve and seeing how much he loves you, yeah. how he treats you and how you deserve to be treated. It's couldn't ask for anyone better. I don't, I don't think we, we're just so go, go. And we're so caught up in the future and the goals and the life and the next steps. We sometimes forget to see how far we've come. Yeah. And so thank you for a lot, for right. letting me dig into my past and actually seeing the journey it took to get to where I am now and those days that I struggle and get mad at myself for not being where you know society tells me to be which I think is so ridiculous the more you can get away from that get away from that you have whether you think it or not you have a very positive outlook on life and situations but it's because you've been through so much shit in your life too that you might not always be positive but you always keep pushing even if you're pushing while you're crying you're always still at least pushing and you go further and I just like I have always admired that about you if every single person did just one good deed a day for someone else this world be such a better place I live my life because you know what we don't know what tomorrow will bring and we don't know if we get it tomorrow I love it I rather live my life that way whatever my life's plan is that's going to be the way it goes and at least I'm happy I completely agree. I'm happy too. And I think that's a great end to this amazing episode. Thank you. Thank Uh, you for having me. And I hope everyone that's listening and watching my camera, I think just died. So we'll figure the video part out later, but anyone listening, I hope you enjoyed it. And I'm just grateful for your time. Thank you. I'm excited for you and your journey on all this. So thank you. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.